All right. Welcome, faithful listeners, back to the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Mike McLeas hosting for tonight, and I am joined by Ben Brown. Ben, you want to say hi? Yeah, how's it going, Mike? Good to be here. Going well. My team got a win. How about yours? Uh, it did get a win, uh, and a win's a win. We'll, we'll leave it at that for now. Oh, yeah. We'll get more into it because obviously we covered our favorite teams. Um, and a, a win is a win, and that's that's the best we can say maybe today. Um, not all roses. And with not all roses, we have to go into the injuries. And unfortunately, this week hit pretty hard with the injuries. We had a quarterback, two attack of Iloa, a rib injury. He was carted off the field. Carson Wentz, right ankle. Tyrod Taylor, his hamstring. Andy Dalton hurt his knee. And running backs, uh, Dalvin Cook. It sounds like he was an ankle sprain. It was hard to find specifics on him. But I found a few sources on Twitter going with ankle sprain. Uh, Christian McCaffrey didn't look too serious. Apparently it was leg cramps. Uh, Daryl Henderson felt like just kind of a matter of time for him. His ribs. The 49ers, if you play running back for them, you got hurt today or you're already hurt. Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, and Jermichael Hasty all injured. Uh, different injuries. And then wide receiver Jarvis Landry, MCL injury. Deontay Johnson, pretty horrible on the last play of the game. He hurt his right leg. And they were down more than one score, so it's not like it could have even switched the balance. And then the last one I saw was Amari Cooper, and I didn't get the, the specifics on that one. Um, so, Ben, what did you uh, what injury did you think was the biggest impact this week or is going to be the biggest impact moving forward? I mean, if Delvin Cook goes down, it, it seemed like he was in and out of the game from what I saw. Uh, I mean, he's the biggest name that you said there uh, besides Christian McCaffrey. But if it's just cramps and that doesn't, you know, that, that's all weather dependent, it feels like. And, and you can get an IV or, or you know, drink some more water and, and feel a little better with that one. Uh, to, with Tua down, that means what? Jacoby Brissett in Miami. Uh, does that mean Deshaun Watson potentially to Miami? Uh, I don't know if the if Miami, who has looked pretty good this year, I don't know if they're going to be uh, uh, contending with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. So maybe there's a move coming if if that's a serious injury. Um, but probably even De- uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, if it appears he's out. I know they've got a couple other receivers in there uh, in Pittsburgh, but that, that's a that's a tough loss. He's he's looked really good. Um, he's you know kind of Ben's go-to guy. Uh, I'd be worried if I were a Pittsburgh fan. Yeah, Dalvin Cook's kind of a, a funny one. Not funny that he got hurt, but he's a funny one in that like for so long we knew him as just injury-prone Dalvin Cook, and he'll never be healthy. And it was like he finally shook that label, and he's been healthy for a while now. And now it's like, oh, every time he gets hurt, I think to myself, not again, not again with Dalvin Cook. <laughs> um, I think you're right. That's definitely the biggest name since Christian McCaffrey didn't appear too serious. Um, which which offense do you think would most would most be hurt, or its weapons would most be hurt by their quarterback going down? So just kind of remind us of the names. Uh, we had Tua, Carson Wentz for Philly. Tua obviously was Miami. Tyrod Taylor, and then uh, Andy Dalton. Which offense is going to hurt most if they lose their guy? I can't say I know too much about Jacob Eason, who I presume would be the the replacement for Carson Wentz. Um, I think of those, I think I'd say Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor, however we say it. He He's looked pretty good early on. Uh, and Davis Mills, obviously he's a rookie. Um, that would hurt Brandon Cooks the most. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't know how that offense is going to function, even, you know, with a, with a lesser quarterback than Taylor. 
Yeah, I hate to, I hate to, I hate to be excited for an injury, but I have to say, I think Bears fandom is like Anthony, Andy Dalton. If you want to take a few weeks to get healthy, you know we care about you. We love you. We want you to be fully healthy the next time you consider playing football. It's a nice job. Um, and that that's a team that if the quarterback switch happened, man, I think some of those weapons could be really exciting all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, I think I have to agree. I, I, it's hard to say between the first three because Tua seems really important to Miami. Carson Wentz, I don't I don't know what's behind him in Indy. And then Tyrod, like, Houston already has so little. So to lose the little bit it's got, yeah, that, that would hurt. Uh, okay. Let's go ahead into our winners and losers. So, Ben, what was your who is your winner at quarterback this week? So, I just want to mention this briefly because this is a name that everybody already knows. It's Tom Brady. He threw for five touchdowns today. I know everyone's down on him every fantasy football preseason just because he doesn't have that rushing floor. But if he's going to throw four to five touchdowns every week, it doesn't matter. He's going to be a QB one. Uh, and he was sharp all day today. Uh, he, he's the big winner at quarterback in, of the two games that I watched. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you could probably pencil like probably half the weeks in his career. You just pencil him in as the fantasy winner and you're probably in good shape. Just like, you know, it doesn't matter what happened or what you know about his team. Just yeah, probably Brady was a winner this week. Um, I went with Sam Darnold. And I think for him, hey, he threw 300 yards. He won a game against the Saints. He threw multiple touchdowns. And he I haven't heard anything about him seeing ghosts. So it seems like everything is good in Sam Darnold world. Um, and then meanwhile, Zach Wilson had, you know, quite a miserable day in New York. And so I, I think he's got to – I think Sam's got to have a smile on his face thinking, man, it's, it's so good to be out of there. Yeah, talk about seeing ghosts. Zach Wilson was seeing ghosts today. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to our QB losers. Guess who? Zach Wilson. <laughs> I totally go. forgot you had him on your list, and I totally stole your thunder, but go ahead. That's all right. It was a perfect lead-in. Uh, I mean, he had those four interceptions. They were progressively worse as each one went on. The first one wasn't really his fault. It was a bad throw, but he was under pressure. Um, the second one, Corey Davis probably should have caught it. It went through his hands. It was a bit of a high throw. Uh, but it wasn't totally on Wilson. Third one was a terrible throw. He uh, left it short for his receiver. Uh, probably, I think he was trying to throw it away. I don't know. He wasn't really under pressure. It was kind of confusing. And then the fourth one, uh, oh, man, I, there are no words to describe how bad of a throw it was. It looked like he threw a punt to Devin McCourty. Um, and Wilson just didn't really do much of anything all game uh, besides have happy feet in the pocket and uh, make bad throws. Yeah, it, it was a bad telling sign, I think, that the coaching staff, I saw that like some quote from them that was something to the effect of like, we want Zach Wilson to be okay playing more boring. And like you, you picked a guy who you want to run and kind of be like Patrick Mahomes because that's what you think he is. So if you're saying, hey, we need you to play a little more boring, that, that obviously that could just be nothing. And in a week we could be like, whoa, Zach Wilson, 300 yards, four touchdowns, it's all good. That quote just worries me, though, of like, oh, man, are they already losing faith in that poor kid? Yeah, it did seem like he was trying to do a little too much at times. Um, but you're right. He's got it in him that he can pop off at any given moment. He's got arm talent. There's no doubt about it. He's just not always accurate with it. And at least this week, the decision making was not there. 
Okay, and so my loser for QB was uh, Joe Burrow, and I'm not going to call him an outright loser. I don't. I'm not saying abandoned ship or anything, um, but there were a few warning signs here. Um, the offensive line looked bad for his team. He did something that hasn't been done since 2018. He threw three consecutive picks on three consecutive passes, which was pretty amazing to see. Um, I was watching with my dad, and we were both cheering on like, oh, my gosh, is he going to throw a third in a row? This could be the most exciting thing we've ever seen. Because, um, you know, we're Bears fans, so we, we get excited for defense because we're not used to QB play. Of course. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a rough day. At halftime, he hadn't thrown much of anything. The team just kept having him throw short little passes. And he didn't have a lot of stats. The, the final day looked pretty good because he got a couple touchdowns late. But, yeah, it, it was a rough day for him. Um, there was not a lot to get excited about if you were a Bengals fan today. Um, it seems like for both of those guys, Burrow and Wilson, that we were both on every throw just anticipating an interception. Because it got to that point where every throw at some point, it seemed like, oh, this is an interception, just until it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um Okay, let's go ahead and move to our running backs. Who is your running back big winner for today? So I really liked what I saw out of Michael Carter. Uh, I know the numbers weren't totally there. I think he had 65 yards, or maybe it was around something around 50. It was around 55 to 60 yards. Um, he was he has really quick feet. I've, I've been really impressed by that, both in the preseason uh, and today during the game. Um, he ran a guy over at one point. He had a, a nice catch on the sideline that he he broke a tackle and and uh, pushed it for a first down. Um, he 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 just looked much better than uh, uh, at least Tevin Coleman. He looked better than Tevin Coleman. Um, Ty Johnson was pretty good too, uh, but I was I was impressed with what I saw from Michael Carter. Yeah, he's a rookie. I was excited about and. I- it seems like he lost some steam. I think I think part of it's the Tevin Coleman thing, where a lot of people just really seem to like Tevin Coleman. I, I never quite got that, but yeah, it, it's great to hear him on a winner list because he's a rookie. I was I was a fan of, and he's a great pass catcher. Um, so that could be a lot of fun. Uh, my winner came from my second game. I had Tony Pollard. Um, I, if I was if I had drafted Zeke, I'll be honest, I would be a bit worried. Today would not feel so good because Pollard was running free. He was breaking a lot of bigger runs, and he looked a lot more explosive. That's notable because he's the type of guy that a lot of people have rostered this year simply for the the handcuff role, as it's always been called. Uh, But if he's going to start getting some, some real good looks out there, maybe that inflates his stock. Yeah, he's a guy I, I know kind of in that Alexander Madison sort of vein where everybody always drafts him because they fear the top guy goes down. And the difference is, I mean, when Madison's had his chances, he's looked okay. But Pollard, I think, like, man, I can see a team just starting him and being like, we're, we're thrilled to have Tony Pollard here. Um, yeah, I don't think Zeke's going to disappear. I think he's still going to be the hammer. So whenever they get close, I think he's going to be the one they throw right through the middle and punch it in. Um but I think it's definitely a case where we're getting close to saying, hey, Pollard is startable on a week-to-week basis. Wow. Um, okay, let's go ahead into our running back losers. Who is your big running back loser today? 
So I don't want to beat a dead horse while he's down, but Ronald Jones disappointed again this week. He he was awful last week, and this week I think he only had nine carries, uh, 20-something yards. Uh, he just disappeared. I, I didn't see him out there at all. Um, I saw much more Lenny Fournette. He had, I think, double the carries that, that Jones had. Um, just not impressed with Ronald Jones. And then on the opposite side, Mike Davis. Uh, Cordero Patterson was used far more often than Davis. Davis saved his day with a few late uh, good runs, and he, he had some catches out of the backfield. Uh, but Cordero Patterson looked much more explosive. Uh, he had a really nice touchdown uh, run. He had a... I've, I think he had a touchdown uh, catch as well that he jumped up and caught. Um, and then he almost had a third touchdown on the sideline, uh, but he stepped out of bounds and they, they called it back. Um, but Mike Davis, for anyone who drafted Mike Davis early, you, you're going to be sweating bullets for a while here because Patterson looks much better than he does at this time. Yeah. If I was going to ask you, uh, how confident would you feel if you had to pick Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones rest of season? Not which one would you pick, but how confident would you feel in whatever one you picked if you had to pick one? I think I'd I wouldn't feel very confident, but I'd take Fournette. <laughs> I, I wouldn't of, want I wouldn't want anyone in that running game to be honest. Yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like as soon as Fournette captures the job, he's going to do something really dumb, and Ronald Jones is going to break a twenty yard run, and Brady's going to have some quote of like. Man, I can really trust Ronald Jones as a as a man and a human being, and all of a sudden we're going to be like, man, I hate Leonard Fournette. He's the worst. <laughs> and I mean, Brady's had no problem just kind of cycling through running backs in his career, at least in right. the, the second half of his Patriots career. So why not do it in Tampa too? Yeah, I think you'd have no qualms in saying, all right, this guy's not playing as well. Let's just move to the other one, and and that'll work for this week. Right. Um, okay, I had uh, James Robinson. And I, I think the real thing here, it's its not too complicated. It's that when ETN went down, I think we all thought, oh, Robinson's going to be just electric. Like, he's just going to kill it. He's going to get all the carries. It's going to be just like last year. And then we see he's losing carries to Carlos Hyde. And it's like, oh, that, that doesn't feel good. And I didn't get to catch that game, but I heard a couple of reports that Carlos Hyde may have even looked better than Robinson. And that just even felt worse. Like, oh, not... Not a good sign for my man. No, that's not. Uh, I, I'd have to look this up really quick, but is Carlos Hyde rostered pretty much everywhere? Should he be? <sighs> if he's not, he pro- the offense has been so poor there. I don't, I don't think unless I was desperate I would go after him, but I wouldn't fault somebody for doing it because if Robinson's looking that bad and you could get the lead back, I, I get it. Um. Okay, we'll continue. Uh, who is your big fantasy winner wide receiver? Mike Evans. Uh, he came back with a vengeance this week. He was targeted uh, on both of Brady's first passes. He had two touchdowns. He was just used far more overall this week than he was last week. Um, I, I, I think it's just a situation where the, the, the matchup worked well for them this week for, for Evans to get more targets. Um and he looked great. He did go out with an injury at one point. I, I think it was just cramps. It was, I think, like 95 degrees and humid down in Tampa. So there were some issues with that, uh, certainly for both sides. Uh, but he came back. He looked fine. Um, yeah, Mike Evans. If you drafted Mike Evans and you were disappointed after last week, you got you got your revenge this week. Yeah, my worry with that team, and I, 
you know, a hundred people have probably said this, is just that they're going to play whatever matchup looks good in a given week. And so if a team says, all right, we're taking away Mike Evans, he'll just say, okay, I'll go to Chris Godwin, I guess. Right. And if you take him away, I guess I'll just have to go to Antonio Brown. And, and if you take him away, I guess I'll have to go to that Gronk guy. I hear he's pretty good. Whoever that is. Yeah, it, it's, it's really an embarrassment of riches. And it's like you, you feel good for the guy. Like if, if you dislike him, you're like, I can't believe he has all these weapons. It just infuriates me. If you like him, you're like, good for him. Yep. He's going he's gonna to win another one this year. <laughs> it's too bad New England couldn't put that sort of weaponry together. Oh yeah. That's yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay. My big winner was, uh, Michael Pittman after a kind of a slow start. He was somebody I liked before the season and he got peppered with a lot of targets, put up a good stat line. Uh, it's again, another game I didn't get to catch, but my big worry was, is he going to get the usage? Right. You know, are they going to be looking his way? Will the tar- target numbers be high? If so, I, I think he's going to do good things with it. So to see good target numbers from that game uh, gives me gives me a lot of hope in him for this year. Right. Um, okay, let's go ahead and jump to the losers for wide receiver. Did you have a loser for this one? I didn't really have anyone specific. I think the two guys who I would say would be Corey Davis and Antonio Brown. Uh, with Brown, I mean, when, when both Evans and Godwin and also Gronk uh, are all popping off, it's hard for – you know, the fourth option to to really put up any numbers. So you can't really blame him for, for not getting involved. That's just, what are you going to do? Uh, and then for Corey Davis, um, you know, I guess I guess he probably would be my loser. He, he, he His first catch, I think, was in like the third quarter. Uh, he had the interception go through his hands, but he just wasn't really involved. He wasn't really targeted. Um, I honestly thought he was going to have a big game. Uh, I really thought that Wilson would be able to make some plays with his feet and evade the pressure and throw it downfield because the Patriots secondary is their weakness. Uh, obviously that was not the case today. Um, so I was, I was pretty disappointed with Corey Davis. Yeah. Corey Davis kind of strikes me as a guy as his career unfolds that I feel like he needs a really good alpha in front of him to right. take away like the team's uh, focus and so then he can kind of do his thing underneath. Like he needs like a Julio Jones or like, you know, some some monster number one that he can just kind of hide behind and catch things left and right, you know, without without as much focus on him. And I think they kind of hope Elijah Moore is going to be that guy. And Moore had a nice catch today. Wilson kind of wasn't a very accurate throw to him. It was a nice 27-yard game, though. Um, Moore has the talent. He he just hasn't really stepped up yet. Yeah. Um, okay. And then my loser was, uh, Kenny Galladay. So going back to Thursday night for this one, and it wasn't all the play, but some of it was, I, I don't know if you saw this. He was uh, yelling at Daniel Jones on the sidelines. They looked yep. like they were definitely not on the same page. Um, <laughs> I, I have to wonder if you could give him the truth serum and go back to the off season and say, like, you know, are you still making the same choice of where you sign? I have to imagine he's like, hell no. I'm going somewhere where there's a quarterback. I will lose $2 million a year. Just get me a quarterback, somebody who can throw me that ball and get me some touchdowns. Because um, I, I think it's going to be a long year for Galladay. If, if things are already this poor, and Daniel Jones didn't look that good to me, I know the numbers fantasy-wise came out pretty well. Um, yeah, I think Galladay's in for a long year. I agree. And if he, it, it looks like he really wants to win. It looks like he's got that fire in him. Why'd you go to the Giants? 
Exactly. That it, it mystified me. It baffled me when he went there. It was like, there's nobody offering close to that money. I guess not. I, I don't, I don't know if he had a choice. I don't know why he'd choose the giants over anyone else. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. Um, because again, if, if you gave me 14 million a year to play for the giants or like 12 million a year to play for like, I don't know, insert name of team with decent quarterback, I'd rather have the less money and the, the enjoyment of life of like, Hey, I'm playing with so-and-so and he's, he's, he's rocking it. It's easy for me to say, but I probably would have taken six or eight million to play with Matt Ryan. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. So those were our uh, those were our big losers and winners of the day. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and move into our games that we saw, and I'm gonna start us off. I saw the Bengals at the Bears. Uh, my hometown Bears were able to win that one, twenty to seventeen. It started out really slow. So the first quarter, there was one touchdown for the Bears. First half finished seven to three. After three quarters, it was I think ten to three. Maybe it was still seven to three, and then. In that fourth quarter, things just kind of exploded. Um, to that point, there were really no stats to speak of. And then all of a sudden, Joe Burrow decided, after 199 passes with no interceptions, to throw three in a row, which is just one of those statistical oddities. Like, how often does that happen? Um, and the answer is it hasn't happened since 2018 when Ryan Fitzpatrick did it. Um, and when I heard that name, I was like, okay, no level of surprise there. I was on- Honestly, I was shocked it wasn't Nathan Peterman. Um, so in that game uh, so we'll start with Cincinnati Burrow kind of got off to a slow start his first three quarters there really wasn't much to speak of if you saw his stats after that point you were probably pretty worried and if you saw the end of the game it looked better you probably thought okay I could have dealt without all those interceptions but at least he put some points up Um, yeah he took a lot of open throws the Chicago defense gave him so a lot of times I saw cornerbacks playing out of position or playing really far back and he just threw to an open man and then you know they kind of pushed him out of bounds and moved on um higgins as far as the wide receivers go was the most impressive to me he did the most they were looking his way the most he was consistent he could see the talent um i don't think he's as talented as chase when chase was flashing at his brightest it looked like he was better but higgins was the most overall complete looking receiver there um Chase really made his day later on. He caught one big touchdown. Uh, Previous to that, he had only had one catch. He had three targets. He dropped one of them, but it would have been a tough catch to make, so I'm not going to dog him for that or, you know, pile on about the drops adding up again. Um, And then I thought Joe Mixon looked really good. His stats were not all that impressive at the end of the game, but mostly it was just that offensive line. And I feel like it's unfortunately becoming the story of his career that that offensive line is going to hold him back and, you know, not, not give him much to work with. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Wasn't there a lot of hype for Joe Mixon this year by the coaching staff? Weren't they kind of talking him up as getting more involved in the passing game and, and having more opportunities just touch-wise to, to put up numbers? It, it seems yeah. like that's actually come to fruition. Yeah, you're right. And that, that's something I didn't get to yet. But I think Mixon was the only one on the team who recorded a carry. And I think there was one or two appearances by another running back, but this was not a split of any kind. It was like it was like 95% Mixon, which is all you could ask for. You know, one guy just taking the load and running with it the full way. Um, 
that's the James. Yeah, Robinson and then. Plan. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that's the James Robinson plan from last year. Yeah, it, it was. Except for I think you know, with Mixon, we see a really talented back, and I feel bad for him because I feel like if he was behind a great offensive line, like if you could put him behind that really good indie line when they had it all together, or whatever line you think of, like man, I feel like he could be one of those household names in the league, and everybody right. would want him, and he'd be your first overall pick. Absolutely. But he's stuck on this team that can't block for anybody, and instead he gets tackled in the backfield for minus one. <laughs> um, okay, continuing on with the Bears. The offense was conservative early on behind Dalton, um, and that's what we saw in week one. They go for short throws. He Dalton is capable throwing short. He's not electric. He's not great, but he's good enough if he's kept in his wheelhouse, and the wheelhouse definitely does not include throwing deep passes. Um, after he had to throw the first pass away, he was 9 for 10 for the rest of the game. So, I mean, in terms of, like, he's not going to make any mistakes – He's, he's going to protect the ball. He's not going to win you the game, but he's going to do his best not to lose it. Um, and the top target I saw was Darnell Mooney. Uh, he had a lot of involvement. He had a handful of targets. I want to say he had six catches. And I, I think he's somebody who could see a big upgrade if we do see a switch to Fields. Because Dalton doesn't have that deep ball. And we know Fields has, has much more of an arm. And I could see Fields just saying, all right, Mooney, just run out there, and I'm just going to blast it. Um, and that would be a lot of fun as a Bears fan. I, that gets me super excited. A um, couple other mentions here, and then uh, we'll see if you have any thoughts, and we'll move on to your first game. David Montgomery was still a workhorse. He took almost all the carries. Damian Williams was not impressive behind him. I keep wondering why they use him at all. It's just it's just depressing watching him run and like get nothing and do nothing. Um, but to be fair, I have to give Damon Williams his credit when he deserves it. He had one really, really excellent pass block. A rusher was coming around the side and Damon Williams popped over and got in his way and allowed a pass to be made. Uh, so in that one moment, Damien Williams, I got it. I saw why you were on the field, but in all the others, not so much. Uh, and then, uh, Allen Robinson caught an early touchdown. He otherwise had a quiet day. It looked like the coverage on him was pretty tight all game long because I only saw him get four targets. And he caught two of them. The two he didn't catch, there was a defender like wrapped around him, ready to take him down before he could even try to catch the ball. Um, and then we finish up with uh, Cole Komet. He was a complete bust today. He had one catch. It was pretty nice. It was about 15 yards, and then it was an offensive pass interference. So it was wiped right off the board. And yeah, I think he, I'm pretty sure he finished with a goose egg today. Um, so any, any thoughts you had on that game, Ben? With Damian Williams, do you think it's more that he's just not that good and kind of past his prime? Or is it that he took last year off and he's still trying to get his legs under him? Because it, at least here in New England, we're seeing that with Dante Hightower, where he's just not as effective and we're thinking it might just be because he had a full season off that he didn't play football. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I didn't consider that, to be honest. Um, I, I would say with him, even when he was with the Chiefs, he's somebody that never impressed me. Uh, it could easily be that he's not at the level he could be um, because of the time off. I think the Bears want to have like a, a backup, a guy they can handcuff in. And Tariq Cohen would have been perfect for that guy, but obviously he's still on the pup list. So it feels like they're using what they have, which is Williams. Um, 
but yeah, the good thing is he, he's not getting five to ten carries. He's getting you know one to two. So Montgomery still gets to go do his thing. Is Tariq Cohen going to be back this year? And if so, is he or Williams worth rostering in twelve teams leagues at this point? Good question. Um, I think Cohen, if he gets back healthy, will be. Well, well, let me give an addendum to that. If you're in PPR, if you're in PPR, he has those days where he'll catch like eight balls and he's kind of like Naeem Hines or, uh, you know, someone of that ilk where he'll catch enough balls to make it worthwhile. Um, Damian Williams, I don't think I'd be interested. If Montgomery went down and they didn't pick anybody up, maybe. But even if Montgomery went down, I just don't see much with him that would excite me. Do they have a, a style of runner similar to Montgomery that would step in instead of Williams? Yeah, so my hope is uh, Khalil Herbert. He's the rookie they drafted. He's been on mostly special teams so far, but he's somebody, if he got in, I'd be very excited for. And I, w- I would be overreacting here, but I would definitely pick him up immediately and be all in on him. <laughs> so an Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. So I think that covers that first game. So Ben, let's uh, let's pop over to your first game. That was the Patriots and Jets, right? Yeah. So uh, obviously the Pats are my team. So I was uh, very heavily involved in this one. I think the key takeaway, unfortunately, is that at this point the key to the offense is not Mac Jones; it's their right tackle Trent Brown. He got hurt in the first few plays last week. Uh, he missed basically the rest of the game last week. He was out this week, and that offensive line was putrid at best uh with with the backups in there um they they couldn't keep mac on his feet uh mac was scrambling for for most of the game um they had a trouble opening up running lanes uh i know damian harris had that one uh beast mode run that is going to be on the highlight reel all season where he ran over about five different guys and half the offensive line and even mac jones got in there to push him into the end zone but besides that, he was quiet on the day, and it all stems from that offensive line just not being able to do anything. Um, New England had two more fumbles, uh, so that's six on the year uh, in Oof. eight quarters of football. Yeah, not good. I think they've only lost they've only lost two though. Obviously, the two they lost were really hurtful last week. Uh, but they got to hang on to the ball. I, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, and and it's gonna hurt them in the long run if that if that keeps happening. For Mac Jones, it's, it was a quiet day, uh, fantasy wise. Uh, he was checking down again just because he he was facing too much pressure. Um, there was one play in particular where it, they ran a trick play, and uh, I think he tossed it to James White, and James White threw it back to Mac Jones. And Jones didn't look downfield; he just immediately dumped it off to Jonu Smith for an easy first down. Smith was wide open. They got the first down drive moved on. We didn't see a replay, but Trent green on the broadcast said that Nelson Aguilar was wide open downfield and Mac just didn't see him. And that's just kind of where we're at with Mac Jones. He's, he's too, too quickly throwing it to his first read. I think he's seeing the field well, but his, he's not, he's being too conservative. He's not taking shots downfield. And so from a fantasy perspective, uh, he's not, putting up any stats he's not doing anything he's been great as a quarterback he's been great as a game manager and giving them chances to win but from a fantasy perspective he he's just not worth rostering that right now unless you're in you know a two quarterback super flex type of league Um, yeah and i definitely still feel for him i I like some of what i've seen so far from mac jones but it's like 
I still feel like he's working with like half a deck of cards because they're still missing just weapons. And, you know, next year their top priority has got to be, okay, get a monster receiver of some kind. Not a rookie, not a maybe, not a Corey Davis. Like he's shown shown a little, but just go get a monster and say, all right, Mac, this is your guy. You two are going to play together for the next five, ten years and just kill it. Um, For Damian Harris, I wanted to ask if – if Trent Brown, I don't know what you said about the injury. If he's out for a while, how would that affect your view of Damian Harris and how much you'd want to use him? So they're calling it a day-to-day injury. It's a calf injury. Uh, it's an injury he dealt with last season in Oakland. Or, sorry, Las Vegas. Uh, I'll never get that right. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think it's just a matter of them just trying to ease him back, make sure he's fully healthy before he's back out on the field. Because again, it seems like he's the key to that offense at this point. Um, Harris has shown that he can make a play. Uh, last week he had a 35 yard run that helped pad his stats this week. It was the long touchdown run. Um, so as, as, as long as, he's out there. Harris does have the talent and the ability that he's going to make it worthwhile for your team. Uh, but I think it's going to be the difference between him being an, an RB one and an RB two. I, I really do think Harris has RB one upside in this offense this year. Um, if, if the line is fully healthy and, and able to, you know, get some running lanes open for him. Um, but, but it's, it's a, uh, it's a fine line for sure. Got it. Yeah. That's, that, that makes sense. Uh, like a whole basically level drop if he's if he's losing that big right tackle. Um, as far as the Jets go, obviously we already talked about Zach Wilson, said he had a, a pretty brutal day. Um, who are the big takeaways here for you? The big takeaway was just how bad the Patriots' defense was on the ground. And as a result, pretty much anyone they fed the ball to uh, was able to get some yards. Um, it seemed like everyone was run was going five, six, seven, eight yards, um, and and anyone in in that backfield was was able to get some chunk plays. Um, now they did go down. I think it was nineteen to three at one point with a missed extra point, um, and that effectively took the running game away, uh, and that kept both Michael Carter and Ty Johnson stats down because they have pretty much had to abandon the run. Um, had Wilson made some better decisions and, and not turned the ball over as many times as he did, I think we would have seen a hundred yard game from one of those two guys uh, and probably a score as well. Um, it, it just, at least in the first quarter, just felt like that's the way the game was going. Whereas the, the jets were just going to run the ball down their throats all day. Uh, and, and those backs are talented enough that, you know, against that defense, they had a shot to do that. Um, and Wilson just threw it away, literally. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch uh, the next Jets game and see, you know, is it the running backs are better than we thought, or is it that the Patriots defense was that bad? Um, or maybe it's a mix. So we'll have to keep an eye on uh, Carter and Johnson and see what they're looking like next week. Um, okay. We move into my second game. The I watched the Cowboys at the Chargers, and this one was fun, but it was frustrating as all heck uh, because I felt like every time there was a score, there was a penalty that called it back. Mm-hmm. There were at least two touchdowns in this one that got called back, and I was just like, oh, man, this is killing me. I just want like, something stick on the board. Um, starting with Dallas, Dak looked good. I mean, that's no surprise. We don't have to go too much into that. 
he made a couple of mistakes. He got blindsided on a sack and fumbled. He threw a pick. But for the most part, he played a smart, efficient game. I, I don't have much to say that I would complain about there. Um, the big takeaway, as I said earlier, is that Pollard looked really good. And I feel like this could become a big problem for Zeke if in the next game, you know, he breaks a few more big runs because all of a sudden it's going to be like, all right, why is Zeke getting the carries? Yeah, use him at the goal line, use him on third and one or fourth and one when you just need a, a hammer. But otherwise, like maybe this is no longer the, well, I think we know it's no longer the Zeke workhorse, you know, like 30, 40 carries, just run him into the ground and have fun. Right. Um, and considering where Zeke was going, this this one's got to be a big early loss for any Zeke drafters because I, I don't think it's going to change. I see no reason to take away the work from Pollard. What do you think? I, I agree. I was very low on Zeke this year. Uh, we we did a cubulus blind draft, which if anyone's unfamiliar, we had two, two draft rooms uh, and each uh, drafter was paired up with someone in the other room and we each made picks not knowing who our co-drafter was uh, and who were the, they were going to take. It was a lot of fun. My co-drafter took uh, Zeke fifth overall and I was not happy about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't see him having a big year because, again, I think Pollard uh, has, you know, looked like you said, he's looked good this year. Uh, I think last year he showed some flashes. Uh, I just think in this day and age, you've got to mix and match your running backs. And if Dallas is going to, you know, compete this year, I think they're going to have to mix and match and, and give Pollard more run. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. As for the receivers, uh, Lamb was the clear lead receiver on the team today, it's, which I think we expected. You know, he's looking the part. He's the rookie, or not the rookie anymore, but he's developing. He's becoming that that big dog, and I think another year, and he's going to be very high up on the list. We could be seeing you know the breakout happening here. Um, Mari Cooper was hurt late, as I mentioned earlier. We I don't have specifics on that injury, but it was late in the game. It didn't really affect the stat lines, so everything they accomplished was pretty much done before the game was over. Uh, as far as the Chargers, uh, Herbert had some big numbers, but again, as I mentioned, he was sabotaged by a ton of penalties. It feels like most of the big penalties hit the Chargers, and I counted at least two touchdowns they lost, including one at the end of the game that would have given them the potential win. Um, if you didn't see the end of that game, the Cowboys hit a 56-yard uh, field goal as time was expiring to take it, and that was after the Chargers kicked a field goal to tie the game. So if the Chargers had put a touchdown up, when they did and it was just called back like that could have been the changer that could have been like hey this this is a different outcome here um otherwise keenan allen mike williams looked like the dynamic duo and for those those mike williams truthers who have still been holding on good for you guys you, you got it right finally it looks like um I, I think both of them look like great options herbert's gonna throw he's got a big arm he loves to just let it rip and that, that looks just excellent for Allen and Williams. Um, so I, I'm going to be super high on both of them. And then my last note here, Austin Eckler caught passes. I think everybody was a little worried, ready to jump off the boat. But he caught passes. I think he had nine targets and nine catches, if I counted right. And that sounds like the Austin Eckler we're used to. Um, I think other backs will be mixing in here. There'll be guys taking carries. Justin Jefferson will always have a few carries. And I don't think we want Eckler ever getting, you know, 20-plus touches because I think he would just break. Um, but he's getting enough of a workload to make things happen. And we know he's electric. 
on that limited number of carries. I think I think it is what we expect for him. Yeah, I I I can't confirm this. I thought I saw him catch a ball late and get up slowly. I know I think I saw someone on Twitter say he might have sustained a concussion again. I'm looking for it right now. I can't confirm it. So by the time this drops in the morning, I could be totally wrong. <laughs> That's something to watch. Like you said, he he's you know small guy, easy to break. Uh, hopefully he's okay. Yeah, and, and yeah, to your point, again, that's why I say he's somebody that should be on essentially a pitch count. He's going to work best if he's getting a lot of catches. You have to convince Herbert to throw the ball under like 30 yards through the air so that it can get to Eckler. But if he does it, I think he'll be happy, and yeah, that'll be that'll be good for the team. Um, so yeah, this one ended up being lower scoring than we all expected. Uh, the over-under, I think, was almost like 20 points higher than the final score. <laughs> So a lot of people who weren't with the over, yeah, this one hurt. Um, but again, you can thank the penalties. I think the Chargers almost had 100 yards of penalties on the day. Mm. And that doesn't even count, you know, what they lost from those penalties, all the points that got taken off the board. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move to your second game. You had the Falcons and Buccaneers. Yeah, the the Bucs uh, kind of blew this one out. Uh, they went up 28-10 early. Uh, the Falcons kind of clawed their way back in. They made it a three-score game, I think, midway through the third quarter. Um, and, and then the Bucks, uh had two pick sixes, actually by the same guy. I think his name was Mike Edmonds. Uh, two pick sixes late. They ended up being like 48-25 or something. Um, like I said earlier, Brady was the story for the Bucks. He, he had no problem moving the ball around. Um, Gronk had two touchdowns. I think the... The, the Gronk saving him for the playoffs narrative uh, can be officially uh, stowed away. I think he's, <laughs> he's now a, uh, a tight end one, uh, which is shocking to me because I was fully in on that narrative. It just makes too much sense for them because he's, you know, such a dynamic weapon. They need him to win a Super Bowl. Um, but man, have they used him early and often this year and and he's looked good. He's, he's in football shape for sure. Um, and again, Mike Evans, he had those two scores. He looked dynamite. Uh, you know, Brady, Brady will throw it to whoever's open at any given moment. Uh, and he was the guy today on the Falcon side. Again, Cordell Patterson uh, looked electric for them on offense. Um, you know, I don't know what he's being paid. I'm sure it's much less than Mike Davis and they're getting a lot more return on investment from <laughs> Patterson. than They are on Davis. Um, Matt Ryan wasn't terrible. I think he was 35 for 48 or something. The two interceptions, I think he had three interceptions on the day, but the two pick sixes uh, near the end really, really hurt and, and made it look a lot worse than I think it actually was. Um, he had one play where uh, they scored a touchdown and then uh, he ran a read option and he hurdled the defender to go into the end zone for the two-point conversion. It was really impressive. Uh, I, I, I That's not something I ever expected uh, Matt Ryan to do in his eight age 30 whatever season uh, yeah, he's got one of those weird careers of like okay he won an mvp he was so close to winning a super bowl like how differently would we look at matt ryan if they just held on and won that super bowl it'd be like he, he'd probably be considered you know like oh he'll go he'll be in the hall of fame someday because now he's got that ring i think so i think the 28 to 3 game was was the difference between a hall of fame career and a non-hall of fame career for matt ryan which is yeah un- it's unfortunate brutal. for him and I have to agree, uh, Cordell Patterson, as, as a Bears fan, you know, I always thought he was pretty good. People bemoaned, like, using him so much. 
But I always, I always thought like, okay, he's he's a good player. Like he gets the ball, and I I like what happens. It's not the Damian Williams situation. No, he's he's uh, he's like I said, he's electric. Uh, he he's a playmaker. He he had that one play again that he stepped out of bounds that should have been a touchdown. He should have had a monster fantasy day uh, for the Falcons, and he, he was you know one play away from it. But again, if he's if he's out there, you should probably be adding him uh, because they're using him, and and he's looking good. Uh, and then my last note was just Kyle Pitts. He had one phenomenal catch uh, that was behind him on like third and six. And he like leaned back to grab it with one hand and pulled it in and scampered for like an extra 20 yards. Uh, his line was five for 73 on the day. They didn't really use him in the second half. Uh, but he, when they did throw it his way, he looked good. He, he did uh, make a good block to open up Cordero Patterson for a touchdown run. Uh, early on so so he's out there he's doing stuff uh don't worry about Kyle Pitts you know as the season goes on he'll he'll become I think who we think he's gonna be okay and so my big question from this game uh let's say you're drafting today and you're drafting a 15 game rest of season league for you know whatever reason and you have the three Tampa Bay Buccaneers receivers Mike Evans Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown which one are you going to take first off the board? If you assume you want to get one of the three, I think it's Godwin. I I think Godwin is he's been the most consistent. Um, I, I think he's been when Brady needs to be bailed out, he's gone Godwin's way, or he's at least looked Godwin's way. Um, uh, Mike Evans has always kind of been a, a trick or treat kind of player for me, and Antonio Brown. I know Brady loves him, but he's—I don't know. It, it just seems like Godwin is the guy that's going to be the most consistent of the three. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. I was close between him and Mike Evans, um, but what really sours me on Mike Evans is God or Godwin. Gronk is a really good touchdown threat, and that's Mike Evans' whole shtick. Right, is that he was the touchdown guy. If Gronk wasn't on his team, let's just say he stayed retired, I think Evans would suddenly become my clear number one. But Evans is going to hemorrhage a lot of touchdowns, I think, to Gronk, and it, it it's tough. Like, that's his thing. It, yeah, I, I think I agree. I think I go Godwin, then Evans, and then Brown is still my third. If you were to redraft, would you still take Kyle Pitts ahead of Gronk? <laughs> well, that's funny you ask, because I was never a Pitts truther. Okay. So – I, I, he always fell in a range for me where I was like, I don't know if I can spend that much on a rookie. I would be much more interested in both of them now. They'd both clearly be top 10. And I think maybe this is a little, I think they would both be fighting for around the four or five spot for me. Really? I, I saw that Pitts catch and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. He's a man. That's, that's not a boy. That's not a rookie. That is a man doing manly things on the field. That was a special um, catch. Yeah, I, I'd feel really good with either of them as my guy. All right, and that that that, that is the end of Ben for tonight. Uh, we want to thank him for coming on and joining us to talk about some games. And now that Ben leaves, we're going to be able to join by Ryan Cruz. So welcome, Ryan. Hello, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, Ryan, did your did your team get a win today? Uh, fantasy squad home team got a W today, so happy nice. happy about it. Yep, excellent. Um. So we, we talked about our winners and losers at the beginning of the uh, podcast. I just wanted to touch base with you real quick and see who would you single out as your big winner, any position you want from the day. 
Uh, quick, quick, big winner for me has got to be Derrick Henry. He uh, absolutely destroyed it today. Uh, I think it was something like 47 points, um, career high in receptions, uh, typical Derrick Henry game where he just ran away with it in the second half. Yeah, it's always funny. When he has a slow game, I feel like everyone, like not everybody, because his believers have been great to believe till the end now, but I feel like certain people are like, uh-oh, this might be the end. But the reality for Derrick Henry, I feel like, is always that he'll put up a half dozen or a dozen not super impressive carries, and he'll always hit that one home run where you're like, oh, that's a big man running real fast and nothing's going to stop that freight train. Exactly. I mean, he finally broke off that that big 60-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, and it took him a little while to get there. I mean, his first, first quarter efficiency wasn't great, and as I was writing down the note, I felt a little silly even writing it down for exactly what you said. It's like you never know with Derrick Henry. I mean, it seems like he gets better as the game goes on. He's a freak. Yeah, if, if you can lengthen an NFL game to like two hours, he might be the greatest player in the history of the league. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that was your big winner. Who would you say was your big loser for the day? Uh, big loser's a little harder. I've had a couple bad ones today. Uh, either Maybe either Jameis Winston or Alvin Kamara, but uh, I'd have to say Jameis Winston because I think people were pretty high on him after last week against the Packers. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think people were drinking the Kool-Aid. They thought... I, I had a couple of people mention the LASIK eye surgery and I was like, oh, come on. Like, it's funny <laughs> to joke about that, but you can't really think he just literally couldn't see his receivers for all this time. <laughs> I almost wish that was the case. It would have made for a better storyline. But unfortunately, today we just saw the same old typical Jameis, you know, I mean, two interceptions and they were both super ugly. I mean, the first one was was prime Jameis. He's making a bad decision as he's throwing down or as he's falling down. He's throwing. It's it's just ugly all around. Yeah, and I think that's a good lead into your uh, your first game of the night, which was the uh, where is it Saints and Panthers. Saints and um, Panthers. Yeah. And if Jameis was struggling and Kamara was struggling, it's a pretty good guess. It probably wasn't a good day for the Saints, right? Yeah, it was ugly for the Saints. Honestly, Jameis I think was uh, eleven for twenty-two in something like a twenty-six point nine QB rating. So yeah, he was struggling throughout the entire game here. And honestly, nobody really got anything done through the through the air as a result. Uh, people were high on Marquez Callaway going into the season, and he only came down with two receptions, and I believe he had four targets. Uh, the receiving leader was Alvin Kamara again. So, but again, it wasn't too crazy of a day for him. Four receptions, uh, twenty-five yards. So. It rounded his stats out a little bit, but once again, I mean, not an impressive day for Kamara, who only ended up with about seven fantasy points, I believe. Yeah, and if if Jameis was struggling that bad and Kamara was struggling that bad, it's like I don't even know who else to ask about at this point because uh, it's just yeah, those those are the big names, and if your quarterback was terrible and your star running back was terrible, well, it, it's just going to be bad all around. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same story as last year. Uh, Sean Payton hates your fantasy football team. He doesn't. He does <laughs> not care. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. Uh, got a. He only had three carries, but he was still involved in some important situations. Uh, Jameis will get taken taken off, seeming seemingly out of nowhere for Taysom Hill. Uh, it wasn't always in the red zone. There were there were times that Taysom would be, get sub subbed in, even when they're all the way pushed back at their own end zone. So really, there is. it seems like there's almost no rhyme or reason. It's frustrating as heck if you're a fantasy owner of any Saints player, to be honest. 
Yeah, I could imagine. Um, how about the Panthers side of the ball? Panthers look good, honestly. I mean, it wasn't too flashy, but they got the job done. I mean, Sam Darnold put up some uh, pretty impressive numbers. Uh, I don't know if I have his exact fantasy stats here. Uh, Sam Darnold still, he went to 26 for 38. I think he went over 300 yards passing. I threw an interception, but it was two, but he had two touchdowns. The impressive thing though, was really just how well they spread out the ball. Uh, I believe Carolina had like, uh, four players with three receptions each. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had five and then the clear targets and receptions leader was DJ Moore on the team. So, I mean, among, Carolina receivers right now more seems to be the only really safe option right now yeah I saw Robbie Anderson had some pretty low numbers um so for Darnold would you say you're changing an opinion on him or would you say he's kind of still the same in your books it's just a good game yeah there's some some of it has to do with game script some of it has to do with his performance uh, he, I don't, it was 18.9 fantasy points. I think that's kind of the most you're going to see out of him. Really. I don't think you're going to see too many games where it's like 20 plus fantasy points coming from Sam Darnold. He was efficient, but he, he wasn't, uh, epic in any sort of way, really. Gotcha. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, okay. And any, any final thoughts on that Saints Panthers game? Um, Christian McCaffrey is just as dominant as ever. Uh, don't be too worried about the injury. Uh, it was just a cramp. And I think like you mentioned, he like broke the calf roller. <laughs> so uh, and when he needed to run into the locker room, he like sprinted him. So, and he came back out into the field and finally got his touchdown. Um, and honestly, CMC could have even had more points today. Uh, Saints were actually pretty good at uh, stuffing him at the line. I think he was stuffed at the goal line, like three times at least in just the first half alone. So, wow. Expect bigger and better things from CMC. If I mean, it's not like he didn't already have a great day. Right. Okay. And the second game you covered, I'm totally jealous of this one because it looked like it was really excellent, was the uh, Titans and Seahawks. So what happened there? Yeah, it like turned into a, a complete and total barn burner. <laughs> kind of out of nowhere. Um, I mean, what's there to say? I mean, it was absolutely crazy. Uh, Seattle was rocking. It was super loud. Tannehill was struggling at first to uh, speak to his line and get up there quickly so he could change the call if he needed to and shout his changed call over the very loud crowd. Um it was, it was a good game. Uh, the Titans somehow found a way to battle their way back. And it really wasn't even because of Tannehill, to be honest. It was because of uh, Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, it's weird. Like, everybody knows you can't build a team around a running back anymore, except for, like, two people. And that's Derrick Henry himself and then the head coach. Like, those are the only two people who don't think that's true, and they just make it work. It, it blows my mind because – I don't, I don't know how they do it. Like, you, you jump down to a big hole early to Seattle, who's a great passing team, and you somehow come back with 35 carries, 182 yards, and three touchdowns for the running back. It, it, it's just not supposed to happen, and it it's crazy that they make it work every week. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, he's a complete anomaly, especially considering, I mean, credit to credit to the Seahawks. They brought the pressure, a lot of pressure on the defensive side here. I mean, their line really, really, really pressured Tannehill and Derrick Henry for quite a long time. We mentioned it earlier. He had some 
bad, poor efficiency in the first half. And then he finally came out and just started doing his thing. Uh, I believe the touchdown uh, at the, it was about 10 and a half minutes left in the third. His, uh, the, the, the whole play was drawn to the right. And this, his, the line was just completely stuffed and he had nowhere else to go. So he just stopped, pivoted and completely changed direction and still somehow found the end zone. There's not a lot of guys in the NFL that can do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. What did you think about, I want to ask about a duo of receivers here and you probably know who I'm going to ask you about. Uh, <laughs> what did you think about AJ Brown and DK Metcalf? I saw it just for those uh, listening, AJ Brown, nine targets, three receptions, 43 yards. DK Metcalf, 11 targets, six receptions, 53 yards. So the target numbers were clearly there. But what, what do you make of the receptions, the yardage, the lack of touchdowns, and what's your takeaway here? Yeah, A.J. Brown, uh, he just didn't get it done today. And, I mean, unfortunately, is just kind of bad luck. I mean, Ryan Tannehill was chucking the heck out of the football for the majority of the game here, and they really had to. And he did a good job driving downfield for the most part, but they really just couldn't finish. Uh, when it came to getting into the end zone, uh, AJ Brown missed a huge catch. Um, I think it was on like the very second drive of the game. Uh, he was wide open, but I mean, the safety was right there and ready to blow him up. Absolutely destroy him. I mean, it was a total hospital ball. Um, he he uh, missed another catch uh, that was right in his hands in the third as well. So kind of just bad luck for AJ Brown. I think he'll turn it around. I mean, the targets were there. He had nine targets uh, led the team today. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. Uh, DK is kind of the same story. Uh, he tied Tyler Lockett for targets today. And he uh, still put up, you know, six catches, 53 yards. If he had a touchdown today, we wouldn't even be having this conversation about him, you know, underperforming. He he was there. He was producing. He seems to me to be a fantastic tandem with uh, Tyler Lockett. Tyler can take off the top and go deep, whereas DK is just so physical. He can really just do work in the, in the short game. And he seems to thrive in that role. I think he'll get his eventually. Got it. Um, yeah, it, it was certainly a great game. You, you have the huge comeback, the overtime win. That's it's always going to be fun, and it's always shocking when you see Seattle lose at home. I think they oh, yeah. were saying something like they've won eleven home openers in a row, and yeah, that's that's a hard place to win, especially when you're an East Coast team. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's yeah, it was a beautiful weather, beautiful day. the The twelfth man definitely showed up. It was loud out there. Tannehill was struggling to. I mean, it was clear the game plan the Titans showed up with, and that was to get a, a play call as quickly as possible, get to the line as quickly as possible, so you can try to get a read and try to have as much possible time to change the play call if needed. So they did a great job uh, controlling for sure. Um, possibly uh, didn't really quite rely on Chris Carson as much as I would have liked, though. I mean, he got his two touchdowns, yeah, but without those touchdowns, we'd be kind of worried today. Only 13 carries for 31 yards on the ground, and uh, no work at all in the Stephen game. He kind of feels like the opposite of DK Metcalf, and that Metcalf had a good day, it just looks bad, and Carson really had a bad day, and it just kind of looks good. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ryan. We're excited to hear about these two games um and thank you everybody at home listening in uh we hope this helped you figure out kind of what you what you saw in week two and important takeaways and as always uh we'll be here for you each week 